You're listening to Green Possible, where being free makes being green possible. I'm your host I, and the show starts in. Hey, well. Good morning, I. Glad to be back with you once again. And I have a story to share, and I promise it's related to ethics. Go for so, it. So. <laughs> Last week, I um two weeks ago, I ordered uh, some stuff from a you know non. How do you call that? Not super big brand, and so I I bought directly from them, and they uh after a week I I the the you know how they give you tracking code. And nothing ever happens, so I wrote them, and I asked if you if they would check on it. And so they checked on it. the The、uh, shipping company had lost that label. They don't know where where the box is, and so the company issued another shipment for me right away. And then、um, two hours after I got the email, the box showed up. Oh、and、wow! Even though the even though the the you know tracking still didn't get updated, still nothing. And so I I wrote them back. I said, you know, is it、uh, too late to cancel it? And and I said, if if it's too late, then I'll share. I'll I'll give it out to just to help people who might not have known about their stuff to you know kind of help them spread the words、mm-hmm. and so the next day because they're they're not they're a few time zones away so the next day the I got a. The update of saying that oh they they are recalling the box so the box is sent back to them the the second box so the and and uh it's kind of like a confession here、huh. I I I talk when I wrote it when I wrote that um that I I got the sec the box and and. Because I was really surprised, they I thought they were just gonna check on it and ask, you know. All I wanted to know is where is my order, and and they sent me the second one. And the fun funny thing is, before this, usually what happens, I would write company and they would be like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You you keep whatever." And so this time, I'm I'm. Really asking them to take it back, mostly because they're a small shop,、uh-huh. and so, so. But when I found out that they had to take the second box back, I was like, "Ah,、oh, shoot!" <laughs> 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 so because I really like their stuff, so extra is good. Even though I'm going to, sh- I was going to share. Yeah, so that brings up ethics. Is the, the the ethics dilemma is 
it's one thing to do the right thing when everyone is watching, but how ethical are you when you know you can get away with it and nobody's watching? <laughs> well, the, and the second thing is, how how where should ethics start? I mean, I wish I didn't even have the thought of, oh shoot, they took it back. Well, I I don't know. Um, I think what it comes down to is. If you could steal something from your neighbor and just be guaranteed that you would get away with it. So in your mind, there's no, you're sure there's going to be no consequences and you could just go steal something from your neighbor. Would you do it? And so if the answer is yes, if you would ever steal something from your neighbor, uh, you're not ready to be a self-governed person and you're not ready uh-huh. to be in a self-governed uh, society. society. Yeah, yeah you, you pretty much... At that point, you're not civilized enough for that. So you really kind of need a dictator to force you to do, to behave in in an organized fashion. If all you're going to be is a, a criminal, because that's basically operating in the animal level. Because in the animal kingdom, it is perfectly legitimate for an animal to just go steal food. That's what they do. And what makes us human is civilized moral conduct. And if we it's not intelligence, it's, it's civilized moral conduct. So if, if we're going to behave that way, um, we don't belong in a civilized society. And people who uh, display ethical conduct only while they're being watched, that's not ethical conduct. That's just, they're just uh, following their, chasing their desires and running away from their fears. That's just like almost like a, an animal or a, a program. They're not doing anything special at all. The only reason they're not stealing from you is because they're afraid of getting caught. And so to some degree, we need, you know, we need that. But at the same time, if civilized moral conduct uh, can only be measured when, <laughs> when nobody's watching, will you, will you steal if you, or do something immoral or take something from somebody when you're sure you wouldn't get caught. I had a similar instance uh, uh, to yours where I ordered a $400 item from Amazon and they canceled the order and refunded me without me even asking. I mean, I was just watching the tracking. It uh, it, it eventually, uh, a couple of days later, the, the item got canceled and uh, the money got refunded. And they, they don't really give you an explanation. It just showed up that way. I thought, well, that's weird. And then a couple of days later, this this four hundred dollar item showed up at my door, and so here I am. I've got the I've got the item, and I and I didn't have to pay anything for it. And so, um, I was like, he was like, wow, I got it for free. Well, let's see now, how civilized am I? And so, <laughs> what I ended up doing is first I tried to contact Amazon, and I tried to contact the seller. And uh, after a couple of attempts and uh, getting nowhere, I, I I made several attempts to contact them. And uh, Amazon directed me to talk to the seller who I'd already tried to contact and I got nothing in response from them. So eventually I gave up and, and just kept the $400 item. But I did try. I, I made multiple attempts to contact them. <laughs> well, that, that's the point. I, I think it's... Um, so, for example, if I were to... If I didn't even think... Okay, so I have a choice when I knew when I got the second box, when I got the first box actually delivered, uh, I had the choice of not writing them, uh, not writing them, just figure, oh, they don't care. I'll, I'll get, I'll 
get the second shipment free. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's the that's the time, I think, matters the most. I decided to do, I think, the right thing, to tell them I got it, and and. I, you know, the it's the action. Even though I, in my, I'm not, you know, pure at heart. <laughs> I, I did, I did not let that rule me. I, yeah, I still... and, and wanting something isn't a problem. It's how what you do about it. I mean, you could be very hungry, and you could see a child eating a nice meal, and you could be very hungry for that food, but but only a sociopath would take it from the child. Mm-hmm. So being hungry is not bad. It's the it's the sociopath who 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 can't em- empathize with the needs of a child and just is basically on an animal level, and just only knows their own needs, and they just take the food from the child. And so, um, to be civilized and ethical, it is not it doesn't mean we don't want you know free stuff. It, it means <laughs> I, I do. It means we I make like... we make the right decision when it comes time. You know, even when nobody's watching. Okay. And when nobody's watching, only you're the only arbiter of that. You're you're the one who's going to see what happens, and only you can then adjust and reprogram who you are if you are so inclined to do that. Because if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it, uh, right. unless you get in trouble with the law or something. Then you you know that might spur you to develop some morals, but it's unlikely. More more often, you just stay the same way you are. There are child psychologists who tell us that these things are programmed into a child on the tod- at the toddler stage. And, and while their mind is malleable and resilient at that age, they absorb these cultural, um, these cultural aspects of ethics or selfishness, and it just stays there. I mean, the odds of it staying there permanently are very high, and you can change it, but not easily. Well, so, in, in in my culture, um, you know, uh, Far East is a lot of countries are Buddhism based. So the the thing about that kind of stuff is like you will you if you don't if you do take things you are not supposed to take, you pay with your karma. Yeah, and, and and so I I understand that sort of the concept of karma, where if you do something, it's going to be done to you. Um, the way I think of that is, it's not so much you, whatever you do, is get gets copied back to you, but it's more like the results you get in life are what you deserve. And so if you're doing uh, bad things, then probably, you know, it's going to happen to you. It might be very different. So if you're if you're stealing something of value, you're probably going to lose something of value, even though, let's say you stole a car and then uh, at some point you you have something very valuable or, or you know, uh, that's much different than a car. So the, the concept of karma, I think, could be seen two ways. One is, is everything you do gets done back to you. Or two, it's just, it's more, it's a more broader concept of whatever you get in life is going to be kind of what you deserve and what you need to hopefully teach you. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, from my understanding, you're, you are correct. 
I, I don't think is that straight. And, you know, sometimes it is. Most of the time it's not. Yeah. And so that's the, the idea of karma is, is, is an Eastern religion. But if you just use different words to explain the same concept, a lot of Christians would go, oh, yeah, that's what Christians believe, too. We just use different words. So right. I think religions have a lot more similarities that are that only appear different because we use different uh, words and metaphors to describe them. And so the second second thing I thought of when when I went through the experience is is a lot of people would be like, "Oh, you're a big company, you don't care," and and you know, I and sometimes some people even think even would think, "Oh, you deserve to give me, I deserve the free stuff you accidentally gave me." Yeah, if, yeah, we tell ourselves sweet stories to massage our guilt if we want to steal from somebody and we say oh well they're a big company it doesn't matter you know so those are just uh those are just stories that the guilty tell themselves to make themselves feel better <laughs> right and you know that and and the reason i brought it up is because i notice sometimes when you hear um bad news about big tech or some big company and and there will be a lot of re response that would be like yeah yay so good they they you know they're falling blah blah blah, but you know what I think of is all the people that will be losing their job, and how how is it good that some you know company is falling? I know you you might not like the company. But this, the degree of the reaction is just weird to me. And how do I, how I relate to ethic is that how do you not care? How how do you not care? When you don't care, you you kind of just don't. Ethic goes out the window when you don't care. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so I, I guess true ethics means. Uh, I get, an, an ethical concept can be overshadowed by other things. So it, we see that a lot in the woke mindset where, you know, there was this movement to, for blacks, they want to be treated equal to whites, right? And so they're trying, they're pushing this, this uh, social movement for equal rights. But uh, the, the movement was hijacked with something that overshadowed the, ethic, the ethics of it. And so instead of saying, well, we want to be equal to whites, now we want to actually be mean and be racist against whites. And so that's sort of a little uh, trick that is easy to perpetuate on humans where you become the monster you're fighting against. And so in this way, I think the, the racism, anti-racism movement in America was hijacked using that that very little mind trick that you talked about. And that is that if, if there's some way we can justify or, or some form of justice we hold in our mind, then we forget about the, the ethical point behind it. Or we, it's easy to forget ethics when, when we're thinking about something else. So it, it, we can say, oh, the black people can say, well, the white people treated us unfairly so now in order for for justice to be done we're going to become just like them and treat them like they treated us when true justice is is what 
what the original uh, goal of the movement was, is to achieve equal rights and equal treatment and say, hey, we're all just humans. You're human. I'm human. We're a spirit occupying the body, walking on the earth. You know, no one has special rights because they're white or because they're black. And and so, yeah, that's a, that's a good point that we can lose sight of ethics, especially in the face of any kind of emotional uh, wave that gets pushed by uh, the media or anybody else. Right. And, and that's why the um, word, what's the word? Uh, you know, activists use it a lot. What's the word? Like I, 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 I justify my, oh, what's that word? Shoot. Social justice. <laughs> my brain. No, it's one, it's a verb, I think to to you i do this because i am uh just and and right uh oh, i forgot the verb well the, but, there's an old saying that you know no one is more dangerous than someone who believes they're right because they'll do anything because they believe they're right yeah and, and and that bothers me that word the reason why I keep thinking about that word because that word bothers me uh which I can think of it now uh so i I think the word is righteousness and and that word bothers me because it basically it comes with judgment uh and yeah. and it's, it's like i I am more right and and correct. Than you, yeah, and, you. and that pretty much <laughs> describes all humans. We all believe that about ourselves, and so we hopefully we can recognize that about ourselves and try not to be uh, self righteous and judgmental of others. And and you know how how it seems that to make the right to do the right action, ethical behavior, it like you know if I didn't look at look inside myself and think okay. What if I didn't tell them I got the first box? You know, if I wasn't even able to observe myself of thinking that maybe I don't want to tell them, then this, then I will not even reach the stage of making a right or wrong decision. Yeah. And so, I'm so that's the, the, the social construct that we live in requires a uh, a civilized moral conduct and if we want to move our society in a a more civilized direction we have to address the root level of causation where this starts and that is childhood and and parent and and by association parenthood so we our level of morality is going to be determined by the family structure that we were raised up in and so here we are in a modern society that has destroyed the family structure. They said they were going to do it. They did it. And so now we're at a point where it's not like we have to save the family structure. No, no, it's gone. Now we have to rebuild a culture where we can instill in our toddlers this civilized moral conduct, this uh, innate knowledge of doing the right thing. Because okay, if we first, leave it first... up, to, up to their future, they're not going to change it. When, when, you get, when you get to be an adult... It's like you're saying you're, you know, if if you never 
have it within you to ask the question, you're not even going to try to change yourself. Right. But the, the, before you go on, the first tell me what uh, the family structure, explain that and explain how it was destroyed. Okay. So uh, we have our, our old cultures from, you know, centuries ago where you have a mother and father raising children, usually within a religion, because culture and religion overlap heavily, always have, always will. And right. so you have uh, you have this occupation, which we don't even consider an occupation, but it's parenthood. And this occupation require it's the most uh, it's the most revered occupation in the world, and it has the highest education requirement in the world. And so here we are, we're, we're bringing up new humans. We're, you know, we, we start with building them in the womb, we're building a body, and then we build a mind of a human. And it's not just a human, it's, it's the future of humans. And it's the, it's the most important work we can engage in. And if we have this family structure where everything we have during this, during this child's life all the existing knowledge that the family has or that the society has needs to get passed on to this this new child because we don't live very long and uh, a, to to a large degree the the ability for a, a human society to grow and gain wisdom depends on how well we pass on our knowledge to the next generation before we die so that's why once we developed the ability to write, our the, the knowledge of humans began to expand greatly. But uh, it's not just knowledge, it's it's morality and, and ethics. And these things have to be passed on to a child probably under the age of five. So if you look at, imagine if you were going to become a dog trainer, right? You would go to, you would take classes on how to become a a dog trainer, you would understand the psychology of dogs and understand how to instill in them uh, training. And you would understand what what's the, if you do if you do this with a dog, it's going to ruin them for life. And if you do this with a dog, it's going to it's going to train strong uh, behavior into them for life. But do we have classes for for parenting? I mean, hey, you're going to build a human. You're going to build uh, the future. So uh, what are the requirements for that? Well, nothing you know and and we have we have a school system that has no such thing as parenting class they're just i mean it's just non-existent so here we have to do that ourselves when it wasn't done for us because at this point um no matter how old you are you didn't uh you probably didn't come from any kind of parenting uh good parenting background. Now, there are still pockets of good parenting out there. I see it now and then. I'll go in someone's house and you walk in this house and there's these pictures of their kids on the wall. They've, they've got a, a happy home, a stable marriage, you know, and, and I see, wow, I see all the signs of a successful family and it gives me hope when I see that. Um, and, you know, I, for, for myself, I don't, I don't have that. I don't, I'm not coming from a, a standpoint of success in family. I'm, I'm more of the learn from failure type. But we well, have, yeah. Go ahead. the The thing is, when um, the parents nowadays, how do I say this? If the parents are not, if parents don't have that value, 
how are they gonna know that you know whatever they don't have or have will get passed down so if if you if the parents are not self-aware and self-correcting it's never gonna happen you're right and and it isn't so it's going to be the the ones who want to and the ones who try and in fact just wanting to isn't enough you're going to have to try hard so it's like it's like we're we're out swimming in the ocean we we used to be on a boat but we lost our boat and so now all we have is bits of driftwood around us and now we have to figure out how to build a boat so it's it's not enough to keep our boat. No, no, that's gone. Now we have to build one. And none of us has ever been to boat building school before. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, but, you know, it has to happen. Um, I, I think at least, hmm, I think most of people have the quality of being good parents. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good qualities. There's a lot of good qualities. And if it, first of all, this isn't going to be done in one generation. We can't just say, oh, let's suddenly just build it all perfectly. But we can start on a path and say, okay, we're going to start a structure, a social structure where we get together and we start making activities for young children and young moms and young dads. And, and we're going to start building a structure that will move forward through the generations and eventually result in, uh, in something great. So if we try hard and, and raise uh the the kid the children the babies that are being born today if we can raise them in a structure that's the best we can do it's not going to be perfect and it's probably going to be pretty bad but it's better than what we were raised that's our primary goal we need to do it better than what we had and if we do that then when it's their turn they're going to be able to do it even better than us and and the next generation will be better yet and so i don't think we can look at it as What's the final goal? Because we don't know. We're not we're, we're not educated enough. We've we're too lost to know what the final goal is. All we can do is look in the right direction and say, "Hey, that's the mountain we want to start climbing." I don't know what's at the top, but definitely we have to start climbing and moving our society and in that direction and give our children and our children's children the foundation they need to build a culture that's the because the, the culture is the root of causation. If you look at all of our political troubles, all of our health problems, all of the problems we're dealing with in society today, uh, people try to address those directly. But even if you address them directly, they're just going to fall again if you, don't, if you don't address the culture. And if you look at the, the cultural goals of Marxism and communism, they, they're very clear that they have to destroy the family. And there's a really good reason for that. And so by, you know, we can extrapolate from that to say, hey, if we're going to solve this problem, then we have to build the family. And it, if, we've, if we solve that, all these other problems are going to be much easier to solve and, and might even just sort of evaporate on their own if we address the root level of, of cause within so, our society. Wait. So, um, so what's the reason for breaking up family for, for their purposes? What, what, why? They want to control the, the, our mind basically. So, uh, culture is an invisible envelope of information that we grow up within and who, and whoever controls the culture 
of a child as they grow up will con will basically control the mind of that child. So if in order to displace the existing culture of the family, they have to destroy the family so they can control the culture. And that's to a large degree, that's what we see with all the social media and, and TV. So for example, when much of what a child learns, it's not that we told them this certain fact, it's just that they observed the actions and reactions of the people around them and they absorbed certain innate knowledge not by being told, but by just be observing behavior. So, so imagine they're watching TV and there's a family sitting on TV and everyone in the family is really disrespectful of their parents and their parents are portrayed as dumb, you know? And here's a five-year-old watching a sitcom on TV or some show where the, the parents are just sort of portrayed as dumb and, and the kids uh, disrespect them and end up with good results. And so no one, no one said directly to, you know, rebel against your parents and, and believe that they're dumb, but they just portrayed it. And so that is an example of information that is not related in direct verbiage, but rather by observation of actions and reactions. And so the, the, it, it comes down to mind control. To control the mind, you have to control the culture. And if we are controlling our own culture, then obviously the tyrants who want to own us aren't. And so they need to, the root of our culture is the family. And so that's why they have to destroy the family. Okay. And um, because I don't have children, I can only work on myself. And I see, I see the most basic thing about ethics is 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 being how do I caring about other people and being kind um you know think for other people uh, i'm not saying that to to not hmm. yeah it's it's empathy empathy for others and the religious concept that's really common is 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 they say do do to others what you would have them do to you but that's not, I think for, for maybe because I grew up in a very nice environment as, you know, I, people around me care about each other. Um, but, you know, don't you think that's part of human? I mean, that's how we survive. <laughs> if you're not nice to each other, you're going to all die. Yes, that's that's part of a social structure. And so you, you can see the same thing within a uh, you know, animals that have, a, that are social animals, like a, you have a pack of a pack of wolves they're going to they're going to work together and cooperate together and so humans are like that but it it's greatly affected by you know if you're brought up in a in an if a child is brought up in an environment where it's where they're not cared for and they have to the only thing they get is what they claw and scrape for themselves they may well be brought up without that and so i think that's what how you get a sociopath where for whatever reason in their toddlerhood, they did not receive or experience that social structure that that growing up in a proper family would have given them. And so that that's just missing. And so it's it's not that they're evil, it's just that they don't comprehend or feel the needs of others. And so if they want to if they want to steal something from their neighbor and then that causes their neighbor to to you know lose a lot or 
or you let's say they wanted to steal something that cost the neighbor their life they don't they don't care they only care what how it affects them and if they're not going to get caught then that's the only significant data point is hey i can take this it's it, it benefits me and uh whatever harm it causes others is not even worth considering so i think humans can be brought up without it well, the the thing i notice um you know and it's been uh, i guess the the people that i observed are um now their children are adults and it has something to do with people starting to have more in their life um and it in i i saw a lot of um people who the the parents work to make lots of money and you know and forgot that the kids forgot their kids and there are there are plenty of parents who work hard and still care about their kids you know but the the ones that i saw their children um are more material centric and so are they so are the parents Yes. So yes. that that is kind of, I I guess my point is for those kind of parents or kids who are who only know, uh, only how do I say that? Only value themselves with material. Yeah. I mean, I guess we just let it go i mean i mean there's no convincing other people to change really yeah and, and that's that's part of the culture that we live in now and we we have these ideas of things that are important and so we get a nice house and nice cars and send our kids to daycare so that our kids aren't really raised by us they're raised by some by a by the economy basically and they grow up to be the same yeah so so you know in in I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, of course it's better to raise your own children. I mean, to have time with them. And I think I told you about the example of my friends who, even though they both work, at least one of them is with the kids all the time. Yeah. And that's great. So it's, it's doable. And, and the parents are obviously not brought up in, in the environment where, their parents care about making money more than they care about them. Yeah, we're pushed so hard. Our culture is pushed so hard that it's that we we buy things that there's no way we could afford, and so we so we have this debt society where we pretend like we can afford a house and a car, and but but really we have to pay for it over years and years because we cannot afford it, and we. And we have to basically sacrifice our time with our children just so we can barely afford it when it would be better to live in a tent and ride a bicycle <laughs> and raise your kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, and it's kind of funny from, and I don't know if it's in all the countries from the East, but uh, when I was growing up, you, I, you know, most people are like, don't buy anything you don't have the money for. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you buy, you don't, you, you know, just to think about, oh, if I borrow money, I have to pay extra. Basically, you're, you're, mm -hmm. 
you're putting negative discount on your stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so if you look at how culturally acceptable it is to to have credit card debt and home debt and car debt, it's it's well everyone's doing it, right? So it's like we're at a herd of sheep and it, we feel fine even though we're heading to the slaughterhouse because the all the, the herd is moving with us. And so but if we think logically and say, "Hey, if I buy this on credit, I'm going to pay more for it." You know, there's logically it's it's stupid. But right. if everyone's doing stupid things, we feel quite good about it. <laughs> I know. When I was, you know, when it first, when credit card first started being allowed for, for you know, it used to be only rich people gets credit card. And, and I guess I understand that because they, they need to, a way to, how do I say that? Uh, you know, cash money. They they need to pay for stuff, but they have the money to pay to to pay for it. They just need the need to need it to be easier. And but when it started opening up for for everybody, I I my first thought was how is that a good idea? People yeah, are not. I, it's it our our psychology is not very well developed for dealing with debt. So I think one of the things as a culture that we need to engineer in our culture is, is to say, okay, uh, we don't deal well with this particular uh, aspect. So we should instill it from the beginning of childhood to avoid it because it's not instinct to avoid it. In fact, it's going to be instinct to do it because we are, you know, it's human nature to want instant gratification. And, and so if we can get, buy something right now, we get the reward right away and worry about the payment later. So uh, that's one of the rules we need to build into our culture to protect the children as they come up. So they are instilled with that wisdom well ahead of time before they are hit with the temptation of falling into that trap. So it goes to back to parents who would like to start making the changes. You got to change yourself first. Yes, you do. Um, we The best you can anyway. So we're still a product of our childhoods. So we're not going to, you know, uh, build Rome in a day, but we can start on a path and say, okay, well, we recognize the fallacies and the problems if with our current culture. So let's start building a new culture for the kids. And so we have to start looking at the, the cultural engineering masters who are currently doing it. And they, they develop these uh, flashy social media games and apps. And we need to look at the psychology, not the psychology they teach in schools, because that form of psychology is, is more like a pharmaceutical advertising campaign. I'm talking about real psychology, and I don't know how much of this they really teach in schools, but the, uh, the people who engineer our culture and, and, you know, run Hollywood and run the education institutions, they are the real masters of engineering. And so we need to learn from them and see what they're doing and say, okay, we need to develop activities for our kids that catch their attention and, and capture their imagination and hold their attention. Because if uh, there's already this flashy cultural uh, mainstream media out there, that's going to capture them. And, and we need to compete with that. If, if all we do is make rules and say, oh, you just, you can't watch that. You can't use a computer. You can't do this. You can't do that. Eventually they're going to, they're going to escape uh, your grasp and 
they're going to dive into what you've been withholding from them. So it's, that's not going to work. You need to replace it with something. Um, right. And, 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 and that's I, not I just, easy. I just thought of, um, you said to make games for, for kids, but so when I was little, I remember, and I don't know, I, th- I'm pretty sure in Japan also, um, I don't know about other Asian countries when, when I was little, you, my parents took, you know, you, you get, I don't think I ever really gotten any allowance. It's more like, you know, money from your grandparents and, and uncles and aunts. And and my you know, the first time that I got those money, my parents took me to the post office, which uh I don't think they have it in the States, but in some Asian country, you go to post office to put your money in to, as a bank. And and then you get a little book that tells you how much money in it is in it. And and I remember that being fun, like, you know, and, and so you they teach you to save money and it's it's it helps with not and most of the time you're kind of like, I want to watch it grow. I'm not going to use it. And so that could be something to start from because once you fix this money, I have to borrow money to buy things I want. Once you fix that problem, a lot of the uh, other stuff gets solved. Like, you know, you, you yeah, get used to, it, 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 if you have it now. It, uh, as parents, if we have a problem in our life, the odds are pretty high that we're going to pass that on to our kids. So if, if we don't conquer it, our kids are going to deal with it. So if, if we're in debt and we're, let's say we're eating horrible food that results in horrible health, they're going to inherit our, our bad health and our bad debt. So um, the first step for parents is to overcome these things. And then the next step is to find a way to... Uh, instill these values into children and build a social society or a a social construct that these kids can be raised within and go do productive things like what you what you mentioned you it's a it's a childhood experience that that taught you more than words could could tell you i mean they didn't just sit you down and you know tell you wise words no it was an experience and yeah, and they're not frivolous. They're they're not like, oh, I can spend any money I want, but you can't. <laughs> it's not yeah. like that. <laughs> but you know, I I think it's not too late. I think if your children see you trying very hard to overcome being controlled by debt, you your children are gonna know. Okay, I better not do that. Yeah, and so uh, they need to learn that from a, a young age, so that when it comes time, so that by the time they're approaching adulthood, and and now they have an opportunity to have a credit card, by that time it needs to be uh, sort of a, a childish, silly thing that that they would ever engage in something like that, because it really is. There is no logic behind it at all. In fact, it's it's just a form of enslavement. So it, it needs to be so obvious. It's like, you know, 
children right now are, are they're usually quite well aware that if a stranger pulls up in a car and opens the door you don't get in right mm-hmm. it's <laughs> that's the same with credit cards <laughs> yeah or at least, at least know that that you know think about what how much money you have in your bank and and when you buy stuff you know there are times that you have to use a credit card you don't you you don't how do i say that you don't look at the limit of that credit card you look at your bank account exactly yes and, and know that you you this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna pay it off like next month when it comes yep. so you never pay interest on that and and, and, that, and and that kind of wisdom needs to be passed on starting as early as a child can possibly comprehend what's happening around them so I guess the parents would be like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm using um, my credit card. And so for for parents to build that kind of system, it's difficult right now because so we have in our cultures of the past, we have this uh, courting range where, OK, all right, you're you're uh, young adults. They're they're young and attractive. And this is where they court and get married and immediately uh, start producing a family. And what's happened now in our culture is that that idea is gone. And now the, the goal is not to be a parent or have a family. Now the goal is to extend that that courting and sex play phase of life indefinitely until you're just so old that it that doesn't really apply anymore. And by that time, no one wants to get married anyway. So, you know, w- what we have now is is the for for young adults it's like oh go to college get an education and you know you can start having children in your 30s or something and and by then uh the the childbearing years are gone so uh it's like i mentioned before we're not trying to save a culture it's gone <laughs> we have to build it <laughs> from from nothing so uh how did like i have young young daughters that are they're, they have been raised in our culture, and like I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay, how can I explain to them that that the the popular thing is? Oh yeah, wait till you're 30 before you start having kids. No, 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 that's that's too late. <laughs> you gotta start well, what, early. <laughs> I I saw I have uh, friends two two couples who got one got married because they're high school sweetheart, so they were married when they were both going through college. And um, another one is right after. Um, but these people are re- really mature. I think if I were to marry my boyfriend in my 20s, I would be divorced three times by now. And it, that's I, very I, possible really because immature. The, yeah, the, we are raised to be immature. So when I say that, oh, I think people should start a family when they're much younger, like in like basically uh, around the age of 18 to 20 and probably older for the dude, because I think he needs to have a career that can support a family. But, uh, and guys grow that, matures a little. That, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And that's important. That's a very important point to remember. Uh, but the problem is it, it, it's not just that they need to start at that time. Their culture needs to be preparing from, for preparing them for that since birth. So a huge amount of a child's education all through their childhood is how to be a, a how to be a wife or a husband, how to be a parent. Because these are these are being a parent is the 
the number one most important occupation on earth and it has the highest uh, education requirement of any occupation on earth so so uh, through a child's development that has to be paramount in their education is how to be a parent <laughs> and kids naturally do it i think you know you have girls playing with dolls well what is that that's that's them learning how to be a parent and so it, it's not enough to say you know as soon as you're done being a teenager you need to start building a family right now that they, they have to be prepared for that from the beginning so it's it's like uh, should we build a boat first or should we build a sail first? Because one won't work without the other, but we're in a situation where we have to build everything at the same time. We just have to start doing the best we can to build a social structure where children starting now, whatever age they are, and to whatever degree we can affect them, once they're a teenager, the effect we can have on them is greatly diminished. But uh, starting now, we want to make a culture where kids are brought up learning how to be a wife or a husband and learning how to be a parent. And it's not, it's not like, well, there's a law that you have to do this, or we're going to force you to do this. It's, it's like, well, this is, if you choose not to do that, that's fine when you're an adult, but we have to assume that um, we, there's certain things we have to assume you're going to need. You can choose not to later. We're, we're going to assume you need to know math. So we're going to teach you to learn math. And if you're five years old and you don't like math, that's too bad. You're going to learn it anyway, because <laughs> we think you need it. So there's some things that we need to teach kids whether they want to or not. And if they get to be an adult and choose otherwise, that's, that's their choice. I don't, uh, I wonder what's missing from my childhood then. Um, because my, you know, you know, my parents at their times, they got married at like average, like people get married at that age. Um, when they are married, when they got married. So what am I, what the heck was I missing? Why was I so immature? <laughs> it's well, weird. Well, I, I, I don't know. It, it probably, it's not just your parents though. It's the, the whole culture you grew up with. First of all, did you have, were you had both parents working or did you have, uh, was your, did you, no, did my you have mom your mother home? Stay home mom. And see, that's great. That's a, that's a good start. And then the next thing is, how about your peers? What kind of society did you grow up in? What was popular among your peers when you grew up? I think it's it's the it's all everybody. Most girls uh, are the how do you say that? Are the uh, uh, fairy tale people? Oh, okay, yeah. Like uh, meet a prince and get married and happily ever after. Yeah, and uh, so that concept could use a little more wisdom within it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, just because you know, as we build our culture, I think an important point to remember is just because there is an old tradition doesn't necessarily mean it's a good tradition. There are certainly many old traditions that are very valuable, but there are some old traditions that were never good. And, and shouldn't be perpetuated. So it's not enough to, we're not trying to recreate cultures of the past. In, in some cases we are, but uh, we, we certainly want to recreate the family structure. But in, in some cases, there are parts of that, 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 you know, humans of the past, you know, 200 years ago, weren't very educated. And sometimes what they were doing 
was very uneducated. A lot of them were illiterate. And if they, even if they were literate, they didn't have access to anywhere near the kind of information we have now. So, hmm. I, and then I wonder if it has a lot to do, I mean, the way I grew up, it's, it, you know, we were so conservative. Our schools are not co-ed. So if you see a guy, you're kind of like, oh, they're from another planet or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's not, it wasn't better when co-ed started because then, uh, you know how we talk about kids learn about sex from their friends. Friends. Yeah, they're friends. <laughs> and because so, the, the, parent, the parents are so ashamed. Yeah. It, it gets really messy uh after that it's and and kids kids are not mature and they are having babies yeah so i i with our our current school structure where you mix all the you you put uh, a whole bunch of kids all the same age in the same classroom and learn i don't think that's ideal i think a, a much more organic learning situation you know imagine you have you have sort of a homeschool environment where you're schooled at home but you also participate in apprenticeship type education where you you're working with people who are doing something for as a skill and you're learning as an apprentice and it's not so much of uh, mixing the genders or separating the genders it's going to be it's going to be depend it'll be a mixture it'll be a a both in some cases you'll be learning with uh, uh, other kids of all ages of all of both genders and in, in some cases um it will be a gender specific thing. So like if you're teaching at, at some point, girls need to learn how to be moms. And so let's say uh, there's going to be a birth. And so the midwife is, is assisting in the birth and there's going to, the, there should be uh, other girls present to start understanding what that process is and, and, and learning as an apprentice. So some parts of learning are going to be gender specific and some of them aren't. You know, we we have t- today where, you know, no one wants to admit that, that there are gender specific tasks. And I'm not uh, suggesting that people should be forced to do gender specific tasks, but we should acknowledge that obviously certain things are gender specific. And, and if someone chooses to do different at a later time in life, that's fine. But we have to prepare them for the obvious while they're still kids. So it sounded like you're saying that uh, maybe the... Uh way to educate children should model after actual life in society yeah actual life sort of a village model so the everything we do to that that requires us to live whatever whether it's it's programming uh planting whatever we do that requires that that we need in order to survive we should include a component of that that involves kids to teach them at whatever age that we think it's it's best for them. So, uh, for example, we go to college and we're we pay a huge amount of money to go to college, and then we go get a job, and they have to pay a huge amount of money to us, hopefully to pay off the huge amount of money we paid to college. But what if a company, instead of paying workers a huge amount of money to pay off their debt, we just say, okay, we're going to start off. You're a, an apprentice, and you're not going to make anything, and so. We're going to start teaching you the things you need to, to uh, work here. And as you first begin, you start learning things. 
And eventually you're going to start doing tasks that, that are useful to the company. And at that point, they can start paying you a little bit. And so, and, and as you work up and work up, eventually you work into the position where you're no longer an apprentice and you're now getting paid in full. And you could work that model in such a way that it was always in equity so that you never owed the company anything and they never owed you anything. So anytime you could change your mind and quit and the company hasn't lost anything and you haven't lost anything. So, uh, be, and also because education is so easy to replicate now with computers and, and videos, uh, the, the education would cost the company very little. So that's the type of education model we should pursue instead of a college degree, because a college degree is nowadays, it's more like a, it's like a, it's a stamp of social engineering more than anything. But, um, and, and so that's, that's an, how apprenticeship could uh, work at a, an adult level, but from a, a, a childhood level, there should still be a component of it. And, and we always have to guard against child labor because we, you know, we don't want to drag our children into slavery, but we also need to uh, understand that our children need to learn certain things. And so some part of their day needs to, to be involved in work related things. You know, uh, they need, uh, you know, a, a seven-year-old can run a till at a grocery store. And I'm not suggesting that they should work long hours, but there should be some component of their education where they actually do that. Right, one day, one day, a uh, uh, supermarket clerk kind of thing, you know, see yeah. what they do and and see if they're interested in this and in you know, apprenticeship is still a, a very, it's still going on in Japan, um, and and I personally really like the idea because um, so I want I remember. Because I'm interested in trying things, right? So I went to a wood woodwork shop. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, a woodworking shop. Yep, got one yeah. in my basement. So, and I, 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 I went to a class actually, and because the the, and I took that class because they were making uh, Japanese tansu, uh, the the, their you know, uh, what do you call that? uh not closet but a little case like a chest uh, a yes, chest or, or or a wardrobe yeah, a chest so and and i i before that i was making paper ones little tiny tiny ones that you put on your table and and so I, i'm like oh let me try it you know see what it's like to make it with wood and i was so horrible I, I don't know how to control uh chisel. Is that the right word? Yeah, chisel. Mm -hmm. And and woods are more I was treating wood like stone. But it's easier than that. You you just do a little bit and you can chip a, a, a corner off or something. Mm -hmm. And so I was really behind and I see everybody else is like really good at it and and i went home and i started thinking why and it's because my um where i grew up it's impossible to have a wood workshop right wood yeah workshop. so so you know if we and i don't think we have i i know high school here when i was going to high school they they have a class you you can take right they yeah. you can you know 
Yeah, I took it in school. Yeah. So birdhouses and stuff. So, you know, if I had that, I, you know, maybe I can make my own chest now. (laughs) You know, so it's really cool to, and not only that I would gain a, a skill that I can actually make something with my hands, which is very important, I think, as part of this um the i i think in in this system you're talking about it, it's being able to make things yeah any skill and it, it, it could be woodworking yeah. it could be computer programming it could be um it could be any aspect of society that that we need in order to survive you know and and by providing um various opportunity kids can go and, and see what they might be interested in or what they're good at. It, I, you know, the test, I remember when I, when we were applying for college, you take this test and it tells you what you should, you should look into. Yes. And, Aptitude tests. Uh, yes. Which, yeah, I, I, which I, I think it, those are very inaccurate, but yeah. <laughs> I know. I found it. I found it. And I didn't really understand English then. So I guess the test wouldn't be really accurate. <laughs> but when I saw it, uh, I, when I saw it years later, I'm like, what the heck? This has nothing to do with what I'm doing at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like going to a used car salesman and they say, here, why don't we take this questionnaire and it will it will tell you if you need one of our cars or not. <laughs> <laughs> so it... it and so what is it like in school now? I mean, do you have, do they have uh, uh, things like this a little bit even? like they, let you Yeah, know? they do. They have wood shop in high school. I took it, I remember I took it in the, let's see, it was actually seventh grade. I took it, was which was junior high. And, and the classroom was a full wood shop and it was, it was good. You know, I don't, I haven't been to a current one, but I think they still, teach that sort of thing in some schools. I don't know how functional it is. I'm not sure if they're learning enough to actual to actually make uh, objects or make functional results that they could make a living at. I don't I don't really know, but uh, we need to teach that whether what the current public schools are doing is kind of irrelevant because I don't think they're repairable. I think we have to completely uh, abandon them. That's my opinion. Yeah, so so um I mean for for even actually we could even do this for adults cuz people don't know what they like nowadays. Yeah, there's, there's no reason to stop learning when you get to be an adult. <laughs> right. So I'm saying that maybe maybe a program that that we can come up with would be like a uh like I said a prince apprentice Yeah, day. apprenticeship. You know, like and and people, I I think in at least in in the the countries that uh, West Eastern country that I'm familiar of, people are really hoping that they can pass their skills down. Yes. So yep. if we could, if the if the those if uh, what is uh, crafts people craftsmen mm-hmm. craftsmen knows uh, who would like to pass their skills onto uh, the next generation or even someone closer to their age 
you know, it would be fun to to offer classes or or trial like you know, try this for try this for a month and and uh, which probably means four classes, um, you know, and see if you like it. You know, offer a workshop or you know organize workshop from from all the craftsmen in you know to how do I say that to promote. Trying things, even for adult, and in at this point, because I I really think adults needs to have that option first. I, I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah, to to see what it's like, and and remember how fun it is to try things. Yeah, and also if you if you were going to take a job doing something, whether it was woodworking or being an electrician or a plumber, you could start in a way that you're an apprentice and the, it would be structured so that a, a company who is, let's say you have a plumbing company and you start working as an apprentice, you for, the very first thing you probably do is sit down that you say you, you come in and, and they just sit you down in front of a computer and you watch a ton of videos. That's probably going to be the beginning. And so that doesn't really cost the company anything because they're not paying anyone to spend time with you. And then the next, from there, you're going to progress. Okay. Now your job is to, the plumber, the real plumber is going to be working in the house, uh, installing things. And your job is to go back and forth to the truck and just get them stuff. Right. So now you're being slightly helpful and you're not costing the company anything and you're learning and you're starting to progress through and learn the trade. And let's say you get partway through it and you realize, gosh, you know, I hate plumbing. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so then you just quit, which is going to happen. Right. And I think that would now, happen for me. <laughs> yeah. And so now the company, they haven't really spent anything on you. So they're not really losing anything because of that. And you didn't, you didn't give them money either. And you didn't, and uh, all, okay. all, all you have lost is, is your time, but that's on you. You know, you spent the time you, you do, you, you still retain the knowledge that you, whatever you learned while you were there. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of getting both college level and trade level education that, costs humanity the least amount of money because if you look at the money we're currently spending on schools it's it's retarded and stupid <laughs> it's not education <laughs> yeah I, I i i don't understand that uh because i don't i'm not that's not in my life i don't know what it's like for parents nowadays so, but the, the idea of having the chance to try things, um, and, and I'm saying it for the parents because I'm older, I don't have children and, and I see how, how people, uh, might not have a job right now, or even have a job that they don't like, they don't see a way out. They don't, there's no, uh, you know, if you do what you like, you're most likely to succeed. Yes. Kind of thing. So I, I would consider uh, also doing, you know, for parents to go and try this, try, maybe take your kids with you to try it. Yeah. You and, know? and that's the cultural direction that we need to go, but it, it's a long journey. You know, there's, there's a lot of situations out there where you have uh a parent with kids from multiple failed marriages where they have limited control of the kids because the other parent has half control and they're, it's not like they can change their life. They can't take them out of school. If only one parent wants to take them out of school and homeschool that it might not work. So 
it, it's we're not going to build this in one generation. We have to start a journey that won't be finished while during our lifetime is what we're looking at. Okay, so 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 back to the idea of maybe if you are a parent and you want to try, you be the example, and and yes. even if you have kids that's not yours, they're gonna be like, oh, I see this, I see this person doing new things, and and because they're older, the it's more even more interesting that they're trying new things and see how much fun or what. See their struggle and see how they make choices. Those are all good things to show the show the children. Yes, so that's that's a good a good way to start. Um, it's not gonna it's we're not gonna be able to teach children things that we ourselves aren't doing and aren't learning. Yeah, you're not very convincing if you're just telling them stuff. Yeah, if I want if I want to eat my kids to be healthy, but I'm eating crap from the grocery store, then guess what they're gonna eat? You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, anything else you would like to add? Well, I think that's been a great talk about culture. I think uh, in all the with all the important political things going on today, uh, we need to look at everything that's going on and look for the root cause of that particular problem and trace it back to the cultural, um, the cultural origin of that problem. And it's all going to go back to the family, the parents, the children, and uh, the, the, the culture that, that we're going to have to rebuild for, our, from our, for ourselves. And we're going to have to build it from scratch, essentially. And from my point of view, all these starts with, with remember, remembering that you are a person and other people are human and you, you, uh, Remember to care for them as you would care for yourself. And that's a good point. Empathy. Do to others right. as you would have them do to you. That's a, a basic and, tenet yeah. of civilized moral conduct. Well, for me, it's more even more natural. It's just, you know, why would you want to make other people unhappy? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just naive. <laughs> Well, the people who have that and grew up with it, it is natural and it is part of their character. And the people mm -hmm. who don't have that because it wasn't instilled as a child, maybe they never will have it. Well, then that's up to people who who have them to share, to show, to to mm, do for them. Demonstrate by example. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. the best we can do. Okay, cool. And um, we'll, we'll think about what to do for next one because we, we never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again next week. So this has been a good talk and thanks for having me on. And um, I enjoy these talks. I think they, they explore a lot of things uh, that we weren't really planning on. We get into uh, topics that we weren't really specifically planning to bring up, but it turned out it turns out to be really good, I think. Yeah, and I, I would like to add that um, for if you have, if anyone who listen, you know, let us know if there's things that you would like Will to talk about. Um, and you can either um, write him on the, on the I think, culture, culture chat group 
Yeah, the culture, my culture chat group on Telegram. I'm also on Truth Social. I'm also exploring Twitter because there's a lot going on there. I'm monitoring the changes that are happening there too. I, I, I like Telegram a lot, so I don't know. I, I, it would be hard to move everybody over there. Yeah, Telegram has a really good structure for uh, having a group chat. Um, it it's once you can do enough uh, to overcome the the spam problem, it, it, which is basically requires custom coding. You pretty much have to have custom coding or, you know, uh, or someone who does custom coding to do it for you. That, that's what right. I found. And so uh, for people who did not, who missed the, you know, the the episode for, for Rose the Bot, please, <laughs> please go <laughs> listen. It's very interesting. Yeah, so, it'll help you um, ha understand how to survive on Telegram. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you next time. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. This has been Green Fossible. Thank you for listening. Your host, I, signing off. <laughs>